Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by a guest speaker. Africa is changing. The continent has the fastest rate of urbanization in the world. We're seeing a huge influx of people moving to our cities. With the increase in population, it has also made an increase in poverty, particularly among the urban poor. And they are a people group that are slipping through the cracks. Our first introduction to the community that we're working in was through a friend that I met that begged at a street corner. And one Sunday afternoon, she invited me to her home. As the car pulled up, I thought for sure I was lost because I didn't even see any homes. I just saw this massive junkyard and just kind of some pieced together shelters. But my friend was standing there waving me in, um, and I realized this is where she lived. There's no clean water. There's, there's no shelter, really. I mean, they, the rain pours into their homes. She lived in like a shanty, old tarps, old wood pieced together. She just flipped over this bucket. It was the seat of honor. Uh, fed me this meal full of weevils. Um, it was just, I felt so honored. And so I went home and I told my husband about my experiences and I just began to weep. God just spurred something in our heart. We, we're like, we have to do something. Like, God's opened our eyes to the urban poor and we can't ignore it. I think oftentimes we kind of think of, hey, put your trust in Jesus and down the road, uh, you'll eventually be in heaven and everything will be good. But part of the dignity piece is seeing God's kingdom established here and now. Jesus did this thing. He was genuinely concerned for the spiritual and the physical needs of people. And that's what we're about. We wanted to just gather together and talk about the needs and the solution to those needs. We drive up and they've got a big tent set up with a bunch of chairs everywhere. And uh, they invited, I think, the whole community there. With the village chief, but with the community leaders as well, we helped identify uh, some of the needs. The biggest one was healthcare, and that led us into the malnutrition program. We were able to partner with our Dutch Alliance doctor. We had um, partnerships with local believers that would come in and every week would facilitate this nutrition program. Um, the community provided the building, the community provided the porridge for the moms and the babies, um, and we just saw great success. They were so excited about it. We started with just a couple volunteers, and like by the end we had too many volunteers coming. Within six months, all the kids that were malnourished had reached their target weights. We sat down again and said, what's another need that you guys identify? They identified education. So we began a tutoring program. We get to partner with the Senegalese Church, and the tutors that are part of our program, they're all from our local church, and they are having an influence. It's the moms that are super engaged in their children's education. Just in getting to know all these moms, we realized most of them have never had an opportunity to go to school. They can't read and write. We said to them, would you guys want to learn how to read and write? And we're going to have almost 30 women coming regularly um, for literacy classes. It is beautiful. Uh, we started with, how do you hold a pen? Like, how do you, they were tracing the alphabet upside down. These are things that, that these women have never been able to do, but they're just so excited that they've been given the opportunity to write their name. It's giving these women the dignity that they've never had before. One thing that we have just had the privilege of doing is, is building relationships in the community. At the end of the day, the motivation for us is the love of Christ. We definitely want to see a church, a body of believers established in our communities, and that's only going to happen if we're present, if we're there, if we're dedicated to that work. 
you have to be present, you have to have time before that kind of trust develops. We've had a lot of people that are, I would say, are on a journey to Jesus, and it's just a slow process of representing Jesus, being an ambassador for Him in this community, speaking truth. I love that video, and what you hear them saying is presence is everything. We have to be present. For our international workers in the Alliance, being present is everything. They have answered a call to go to the ends of the earth in their presence, their gospel presence, bringing the power and the peace and the presence of Jesus everywhere they step is what they're called to do, to proclaim the truth of Christ in word and deed. They're following the mandate that we have been looking at every week found in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. While there are some in this room who will go or have gone to the ends of the earth like Cameron, the truth is the majority of us are actually called here. We're called to our Jerusalem, to the city of Salem, and that is an amazing thing. We are to bring the gospel presence here. But with that also comes a level of engagement in the ends of the earth. Not in presence, but in making presence a reality for those who have been sent, those who have been called to go. Friends like my friends like Sean and Becky that were on this video, who are working among the urban poor there in Senegal. People like Debbie Vick, one of our own, who has been serving 41 years, developing lay leaders throughout the churches in Thailand. People like Joel and Debbie Shute, another worker couple that we support here at Sam Alliance, who are working with the registered churches in mainland China. People from our Middle East partnership, like Ben and Donna Scapins, headmasters at Alliance Academy of Jordan, AAJ, a school that we had a big part in starting and launching, a school that brings access to quality education, K-12, to especially for those with special needs. For people like this, presence is everything for them. In church family, we play a vital role in allowing that presence to be sustained. We are the sustainers. A friend of mine this week sent me this stat from Barna. Check this out. It says that the vast majority of pastors, 85%, believe that missions is a mandate for all Christians. That's that. They're trying to say that that's positive. That's that actually bothers me. It, I, like, I wish that number was higher. And among practicing Christians, that number falls to 42%. And for all Christians, it drops all the way to 25%. Here's the thing. I'm so glad that I'm part of a church that breaks the curve on this one. We destroy the curve on this one. We are part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and we believe that it is not an option, but it is a mandate to go, to support those that have gone. It's been part of our history here at Sam Alliance Church. Many of you celebrated with us this past year in our 100-year anniversary, and you remember the story of Bertha Sheets. For those of you, let me just refresh you with that story. In 1937, the original Sam Alliance Church, even further downtown, 
the roof collapsed because of a major snowstorm. The elders got together and they were upset and they said, you know what? Let's just close it. Let's just close the church. And when Mr. Sheets went home to tell his wife, Bertha, she let him have it. Bertha said, not a chance that you will close that church. Who will give and pray for our international workers? Where will they go when they come home? How dare you consider closing this church? The husband went back and told the elders, look, I'm not messing with Bertha. So open the church. And here we are, a hundred years strong, sending and supporting international workers to bring the truth of the gospel to the ends of the world is part of our DNA, and it will remain part of our DNA. Our end game is clear. Revelation 5.9 and Revelation 7.9 give us a picture around the throne of people from every tribe and tongue and nation. All cultures gathered together around the throne. That is our call, to see that become a reality. God's message here for us, his intention is that all have a chance. And so we send declarers who preach the good news and raise up new declarers, and the barriers begin to fall, and gospel access continues to increase. The question that we look at this morning is this. Church, how can we be present in Jerusalem yet actively engage in the ends of the earth? Michelle and I this morning are going to give you some practical ways to engage in this. You see, the presence of our workers is only sustained because we exist. It's our prayers, it's our giving, it's our sending of teams to just be a shot in the arm to get them through a season. It's the pastoral care that we provide, and it's the open arms when they come home for respite, tired and weary, when we fill them up and prepare them to be sent back. A major way that we engage is in spirit-empowered prayer. Spirit-empowered prayer. This morning, if you would, take your Bibles out, take your apps out, whatever it might be. But in Acts 13, I just want to just briefly take us through some things in Acts 13. In Acts 13, we have the first recorded just story of a church sending international workers to a field, to a foreign land. And we see that the church in Antioch of Syria is gathered together. We see their leaders are gathered together in praying and fasting. And in chapter 13, verse 2, it says, on one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting in prayer, the men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. Stop there. They sent two of their best. They sent two of their best. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport and they sailed for the island of Cyprus. I love this story. It is a perfect glimpse of the synergy between spirits calling of these men and the church's prayerful confirmation, their sacrifice that leads to a partnership, a partnership that results in a supernatural spread of the kingdom of God. A movement was launched 
here in Acts 13. I love the way the author and pastor David Platt explains what's happening here in chapter 13, these first verses. He says, the spirit in the church sent Paul and Barnabas, the whole church, not simply a few people. The church demonstrated a commitment to upholding those they sent out, even when separated by time and distance. Essentially, the church said to the missionaries, we are with you. Remarkably, the primary manner they did so was through spirit-empowered prayer. Spirit-empowered prayer. I think that oftentimes we kind of look at prayer as an afterthought, and it's more about the financial raising up so that people can be present. But church, can I tell you, prayer is what keeps people on the field. Spirit-empowered prayer is what sustains our international workers. Trust me, I know I've been there. 12 years in the Middle East, and I can't tell you the power of prayer, of people back in the U.S. contacting us and telling us they were interceding, particularly one woman, a Guatemalan woman named Anna Boyd, who was in my church in Boston. In fact, she taught me much in how to pray. And so I, of course, put her on my intercessory inner circle team. And the first time that she emailed me the day after a difficult event happened and said, I was awakened last night at 2 a.m., what happened? I thought, coincidence. Coincidence that there was a dangerous person in our neighborhood and she was awakened to pray protection over us. But then when it happened the next time and what happened yesterday, and yeah, that's because I was on a walk with a person who was very open and asking me spiritual questions, or the time that the government came in and they were going to shut us down and she was awakened at that same time, or the time that our, our fourth kid came a little earlier than we expected and it was a pretty crazy trip up to the hospital in the capital city. Time after time after time, the email would come in after a traumatic evening saying, I was awake. What happened? I want you to know I was interceding for you. Spirit-empowered prayer. The prayers of Anna kept our family sustained. And the prayers that many of you offer keep our workers sustained. Here in Acts 13, we have this incredible, incredible testimony of what God did through Paul and Barnabas. And I think it's also a guide for how we can intercede for those who are in the ends of the earth. You see, as we just skim through this, we see in verse 5 that they're in this new town. And we see that they have an opportunity to preach the word of God. And so my prayer is that we would pray for opportunities for our international workers. Boldness for this kind of preaching of the word of God to take place. In verses 8 to 11, we see that they confront a sorcerer. That's not an easy deal, but they confront a sorcerer who kind of has the governor under his spell, and they go after him. And so we pray that people, that the spirit authority would be there as our international workers confront the enemy, something that happens often. In verse 12, we see that the governor comes to faith in Jesus. And so we pray that people of influence will witness the power and the truth of God and make him the ruler of their lives. That governors and presidents and leaders of specific corporations would come to faith. Verses 13 to 43, I hope you take time to read them this week because it's this incredible, it's one of my favorite just sections of scripture as, as the entire gospel story from Old Testament to New is laid out so clearly. 
So we pray the same, that our international workers would be able to learn the language and the culture and communicate the message with clarity. And then in verses 44 to 52, we see this great crowd turns out. They are hungry. They are anticipating hearing more from these men. But we also see that there's some leaders that are jealous. And so they stir up opposition. And so we pray for God's favor, for hunger in the audience. And we pray against opposition and fear. We are a praying church. And in your rows, you will find some of these cards. And I'd ask you to grab these right now. On one side of this card is a bit of what I have just walked us through. On the other side of the card are the 35 international workers that we directly support here at Salem Alliance. And what I would like us to do now is to spend just a few minutes actively engaging in what I'm talking about, spirit-empowered prayer. In groups of two, three, four, groups of one, if you don't like praying with other people, the universal sign, you put your head down right away and start just praying. People will leave you alone. That's how it works. Everybody understands that, right? Same as the headphones on the airplane, right? All right. Let me kick us off. Jesus, we lift up those who have gone. Those who have been sent to the ends of the earth, and we pray your blessing over them now. Speak to us as we intercede on their behalf this morning. In Jesus' name, let's pray. And so, Spirit, hear our prayers. Lord, we bless our brothers and sisters in the nations. Lord, we bless Stephen and Ashley and Silvana and Rick, Robin and Wendy. Lord, give them boldness, protect them, give them peace that they then hand off to others. Lord, hear our prayers. Hear the prayers of those joining us on live stream. But Lord, would you be with our teams? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, another video for you to check out. Es-tu arracheté pour Dieu par ton sang des hommes de toute tribu, de toute langue, de tout peuple et de toutes les nations? Chang ya hao si dao yi ga, nante ga si ming hai zai gan hai sing ging, ya zai ki kong mo gan du wo. Her e kul, our log, our basha, our jati. Anun a kriam al yadei alihim. Anam a chow in. คุณอันนาเทลามิสมินวาเอลาคุลเลลอุมังดิโอคังโกเอซอิรานินอีจูฮังมันโดดงจาเรชาจากากูลูเพชเซอจันนิงเพจอวาเคียดีชาเอเซ
from every nation. Every nation. Tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne. Before the throne. And before the Lamb. And before the Lamb. And before the Lamb. be amazing. I can't wait to be in heaven when every nation, language, and people are gathered together around the very throne of God worshiping him. I wish it were today, don't you? But it's not. Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 says this, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. We are not yet at the end, which means, friends, there is still work to be done. The reality is, over half of the world's population does not know who Jesus is. Over 4,000 people groups have no access to the gospel. If we take this room, or you take the room you're sitting in, if you're watching online, and take half of it, half of you know Jesus. You're excited to be here this morning and ready to worship him. And the other half of the people in the room are like, where am I? What am I doing here? Who are we talking about? You have no idea. Least reached peoples are in the hardest places to reach. The Joshua Project describes it like this. There are not enough Christians or resources to evangelize or sustain Christian growth within the community. It means there's no access to a believer, no access to the gospel message, and no access to a church. For whatever reason, geographical, spiritual, or otherwise, these places where Jesus is not yet known need Holy Spirit-empowered people to be witnesses and to bring the good news. So we have to ask, God, how are you moving us to the nations? All month, we've been reminded that we are part of a movement, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And as part of this Acts 1-8 family and the global church family, can I say that it is not enough for us to know Jesus and only personally experience his love, his forgiveness, his compassion, his grace and transformation. As fully devoted followers... He invites us and compels us to live life on mission and be his witnesses to others. We have to step out of places that are comfortable and cozy and say, okay, Jesus, how are you moving me? God uses the movement of people for his purposes. And Rob has already reminded us this morning that one of the ways that God moves us towards the nations is through spirit-empowered prayer. And on behalf of all of our workers, can I just say thank you. Thank you for how you've prayed and how you will continue to pray to keep them where they are. I recently attended a missions gathering where John Stumbo spoke, and he said this, be assured of your calling as spirit-filled goers and spirit-filled senders. This echoes what we read in Romans chapter 10, where it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? God moves us to the nations as we pray, as we send, and as we go. Rob shared earlier from Acts 13 how the church was active in sending Paul and Barnabas. And when you continue reading in chapters 14, 15, and 18, we see that Paul and Barnabas regularly came back to this home church of theirs at Antioch, that they would share about how Jesus was being made known in the places they traveled to. They came to be encouraged, to be sharpened, to get some rest, and then be sent out again. It reminds me a little bit of the season of life that I'm in as a parent. I have a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, and we've recently sent them to college. And their whole life, we've been thinking about what does it mean to be preparing them to be sent out as college students and ultimately as adults. So as we're figuring out what they're going to do for college, there's definitely a financial investment. (laughs) We want them to have access to food and a place to lay their head in their dorm or the place they're renting We want them to have access to the classrooms that help them learn. Um, But as their parents, as people who love and care for them, we invest in them relationally. We spend late nights talking to them. We've built them up their whole lives so that they can do the things that they do. And we do all of this because they matter to us and because what they do matters to us. And I think that mirrors what it means for us to be a spirit-filled sending church and the commitment that we have to the rest of our workers. One way that we we do send is to give. And church, you give generously. Thank you. Uh, When we give to the Great Commission Fund through Salem Alliance, you enable Alliance workers to meet critical spiritual and physical needs. You disciple new, they disciple new believers in Jesus. They plant new churches, and they provide a lasting gospel presence among the world's least reached. As you give throughout the year, you address all the issues of a least reached community. You also help all those families we prayed for stay in the places where God has sent them. I love getting to have regular connection with our workers, and I've received some notes from them recently of thanks that I want to share with you. The first one says this, thanks so much for your support and encouragement for us. We are just overwhelmed with Salem Alliance's generosity, of financial support, and prayers. Every day, I thank God for Salem Alliance and how you help us stay here in our city. Another worker said this, We've had an awesome relationship with Salem Alliance since beginning our time on the field. You've been so supportive of us. We are so grateful for your generosity and your faithfulness. We sit amazed at how God is using the people of Salem Alliance to catapult the work here. Let me read that again. We sit amazed at how God is using the people of Salem Alliance to catapult the work here. I'll tell you, a lot of times I'm like, they're the ones catapulting the work, not me, because they're there. But the reality is, as we pray and as we send, we catapult, we send, we launch them to the places that God has invited them to be. Thank you for sending them there. Giving is one of the ways that we do that. 
But another key element of sending is committed relationship. Many of you as groups or as individuals and families live life on mission by caring deeply for our workers as they live internationally. Aren't we grateful for technology? (laughs) I love that we have Zoom and FaceTime and text messages so that we can get updates. Friends of ours or people we're close to, they can send us from wherever they are messages about, here's something cool that happened today. I'm having a really hard day. Could you pray for this and invite other people to pray? Or they even just send them an emoji, right? (laughs) With praying hands or a heart or an aggravated face so that we know how they're feeling and what they need and we can respond. And in the same way, just like Anna would contact Rob, we can contact workers when they're on our minds and we have been inspired or invited to pray and lift them up. We can do that because of what's going on. Thank you for those investments in them. Thank you too for those of you who are part of Barnabas groups. These groups meet monthly and they're specifically related and connected to one of our worker families to get to know them, to purposely care for them and support them. Can I honestly say that we have workers who don't yet have one of these groups? And they want and they need our relational investment to keep them firmly planted where they are. We can be present for them so that they can be present where they live. And this summer, I'm so excited because the Shoots and the Gutierrez's and the Vernons are coming back to Salem for a bit. And we get to stand with arms wide open and say, welcome home. We get to attend their spotlight on missions events and hear what's going on. Please invite them to dinner, get to know them, hang out with them. Please give them space to process and to rest. And Lord willing, after they've been home for a while, we'll get to send them back out on the field, filled and refreshed. A huge part of this relational connection is understanding how our workers are doing. We hear their stories and we hear about the work that they're a part of. We learn how God is on the move in their locations. Here's a glimpse on the screen of just a few of the things that they do. They teach English, provide medical care, distribute food boxes, comfort refugees, teach fitness classes, host coffee shops, serve meals, and the list goes on and on on the screen and far beyond what there is space there for. As we saw in the video with Sean and Becky, as we hear in the stories we hear. It is through these acts of love and service that workers build mutually authentic friendships. And when individuals are ready, these workers are there to engage in spiritual conversations because they are present. And they continue to introduce them to Jesus. I wanna read a story from one of our workers that we've been partnered with for a long time. And as I hear it, I want you to know that you helped make this story happen. Here's what it says. In 2015, the entire underground church network was summed up in this. Three guys meeting in a carpentry workshop. Recently, we were sitting in what may have been the coldest room in our city. One small little heater couldn't heat the large gathering room and You haven't been cold until you've felt the winter cold of our region. But whatever was lacking in heat was more than made up for with the excitement in the room. Our underground church was laying hands on another leader, committing and consecrating him as a leader in this network into full-time ministry. 
This burgeoning house church network gathering was a great celebration. And last night, I received a text message that another one of our leaders had led two more people to the Lord. We were beginning to see a harvest come in. What looked like a very modest beginning has now grown into a multiple house church movement in multiple cities. Seven years ago, this international worker sat with three people. Three. And today... Seven years later, there is a network of underground churches where people are coming to faith, and then they are empowering and encouraging each other and sending one another out so that other people throughout many cities can come to know Jesus. Isn't that awesome? God moves us towards the nations as we pray, and he moves us towards the nations as we send, and thank you for being a part of that. And I tell you, does God move, that God does move some people to go. When God moves people to go, he asks them to purposely surrender their lives and follow him. He picks them up and he drops them off in a place that is different. He draws them there and he meets them there. He firmly plants their feet to be witnesses of Jesus in that specific village, camp, city, or region. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, yet the workers are few. And almost every time I spend time with our workers, they ask me, who do you know that could come and be here with us? Is there a short-term team? Someone who would come for a year? Someone who would join our team full-time? I wonder today if this is you. This month, we've commissioned all of us to be present and to be a blessing to our city. We've commissioned short-term teams to go to Thailand, and we'll commission more teams this summer. We've been commissioned to be a blessing and receive blessing from our global neighbors. We've commissioned workers to go out all over the world, and later this year, we're going to commit five more RTI students to serve cross-culturally. We've commissioned young and old, single and families. Are you next? How has God been stirring in your heart? When we sing, send me each week, are you hearing his voice calling you to a step, a step of faith, a step of obedience, a step of surrender, to join him in the nations? For each and every one of us, each step we take in response to what we sense God is calling us to does this. It brings us one step closer to God himself, and isn't that the goal? That we would be drawn close to him? And then, because of that proximity, we would hear his voice, and he would direct our steps. And he would show us that he has created us uniquely with gifts, and with skills, and with passions that he put there for the express purpose of being his spirit-filled witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so I have to ask you, how is God moving you? Today we want to give you a chance to do that, to really ask that question and to respond. In the pews in front of you, you should see one of these cards that asks you the question, how is God moving me? And there's three check boxes. He's moving me to pray. He's moving me to send. And yeah, he's moving you to go. Here's what we'd like to invite you to do. 
The worship team is going to come back out and they're going to sing, send me, and lead us in some more time of worship. And as your spiritual act of worship, will you take this card and will you check it off? If you are home and watching online, will you drop something in the comment section of Facebook or wherever you're watching? Or will you send an email to me at nations at salemalliance.org so that I can continue to support you as well? But, but let's spend some time asking him how he's moving us. And then as your spiritual act of worship, would you take this card and would you bring it up front as he leads and place it here and say, Jesus, send me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we long for you to fill us. God, we love you and want to be obedient in how you lead and just confess that we need you because in and of ourselves, we cannot do the things that you're asking of us. God, will you speak clearly to each and every one who hears this message and let them know how you want them to join you in the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.